I think there's still a lot more that can be done, but Secure 2.0 gives us many opportunities to try to work towards addressing the gap. This is 401k Specialist Editor-in-Chief Brian Anderson, and this is the 401k Specialist Podcast. It's been about a year since Lisa Gomez was sworn in as the Assistant Secretary of Labor, and quite a busy year it's been for the head of the Employee Benefits Security Administration, which is responsible for administering, regulating, and enforcing provisions of ERISA, which notably is going to turn 50 in 2024. The Department of Labor has a lot on its plate these days with various rulemaking efforts, including the high-profile rewrite of the conflict of interest rule, a need to provide additional guidance on some of the provisions of Secure 2.0, and ongoing efforts to promote retirement security for Americans. We are very happy she was able to take a few minutes out of her busy schedule to join us today to talk about some of EBSA's priorities and ongoing efforts to bridge the workplace retirement plan coverage gap which of course is one of, if not the biggest issue facing the private retirement plan market today. Welcome to the 401k Specialist Podcast, the Honorable Lisa M. Gomez. Thank you, Brian. All right. Well, the the retirement industry is anxiously awaiting a look at the Department of Labor's forthcoming proposal on fiduciary investment advice, which we understand is currently under review at the White House Office of Management and Budget. Uh, You recently said during a press briefing that the new proposal is not a repackaging of the old rule, and you're intentionally referring to it as the retirement security rule rather than the fiduciary rule. Can you tell us a little bit about the reasoning behind the distinction? Sure. So I can't say much about the new proposed rule um, other than that you can expect to see it in the not too distant future. And so then you'll definitely have more information on it. But I think as far as the reasoning um, behind the change in the name, it's really just to try to have people focused on moving forward. And there is a lot of history to this role. There has been evolution on this topic and the subject matter over the past years. So trying to just start with signaling towards looking towards the future and hopefully, you know, moving towards a new discussion and uh, and hearing comments and people's views on the proposed rule as it comes out. Okay, it's also been said that this issue has been a very high priority for the Biden administration and the department. In your view, what what makes this proposal so important? Yeah, so you know when America's workers are able to put their hard-earned money into savings in order to prepare for retirement, one of the things that many people do is look to hire a financial advisor who's going to help them in investing that money that they've been working to to earn over their working careers wisely um, so that they'll have retirement savings when they need them. And so it's uh, very important for us to uh, look at resolving what the obligations and expectations should be in this area for everyone who is involved, both retirement savers and uh, people who are providing investment advice, and I think just the whole retirement community. Okay. Now, next up, during Retirement Security Month in October, your agency has been shining a spotlight on the issue of uh, significant inequality in retirement account balances between white families and black and Hispanic families in particular. What are some of the root causes of retirement disparities and what are some of the things that are being done to address the issue? 
think there's a lot of things that factor into uh, how we get to these various disparities. Employment is really a driving force in both access to um, employment-based retirement benefits. And, and so when we have factors that are affecting both employment status and um, you know, employment earnings between demographics, then I, I think that that all comes into play. Um, when you look at statistics, unemployment rates for white families is lower than that for Latinos and for, for Black families. Um, part-time workers are far less likely to have access to retirement plans through their jobs than full-time workers. And um, 90% of male workers who are 20 years and older work full-time and only 85% of Black female workers are working full-time. And for white and Latina women workers, this uh, falls to 80%. So that's a factor a large percentage of private sector workers had access to retirement benefits uh, through their jobs in 2023. That access also varies significantly based on what type of occupation a worker is in, what industry they're in. Um, and only 43% of private sector workers in service occupations have access to employment-based retirement plans. And um, minorities tend to be overrepresented in those types of occupations. And so there is a difference based on not only, you know, whether you're working or not, whether you're working full time or not, um, but the types of jobs, types of industries that you're working in play a role. Um, also, there are access, you know, issues based on information that, you know, our folks have been looking at. Uh, 68% of white families had access to employment-based retirement plans, and only 56% of Black families, 44% of Latino families did. So all of these factors play a part in um, whether or not folks have access to retirement savings plans. We are also looking at levels of participations. Participation in these types of plans vary significantly by race, white and black Americans, there is you know, a real discrepancy as to the number of folks that participate in savings in retirement accounts with you know, white families uh, being much more likely to both participate in retirement accounts and also borrow from their retirement accounts. So all of these different types of factors come into play and we at the Department of Labor are really focused on considering equity issues, looking into these various issues and trying to think about how we can try to address them. And some things that we have been doing are trying to increase our education and outreach and just think more intentionally about how we can be reaching people in different communities um, in underserved communities, how our both from our publications or our um, seminars that we're doing, uh, you know, different media outlets that we may be speaking to, just how we can be thinking about trying to reach these different communities in a more, again, intentional way 
to um, for people who do have access to workplace retirement plans, um, for them to learn more about them, learn about opportunities that are available to them, and uh, just try to increase education and you know financial literacy for different groups. So those are just some of the ways, but just I think having equity on the mind with everything that we do do here is the first step to try to move forward to um, address some of these issues. Okay. I, I'd like to talk a little bit more directly about the retirement plan coverage gap, which as you know, involves the troubling lack of access to workplace retirement plans, such as 401ks that's impacting employees of small businesses and lower income workers, women and minorities in particular. Uh, do you think a number of provisions in Secure 2.0 that are, are, are they finally going to help uh, the private retirement plan market make a meaningful dent in the coverage gap? Yeah, Brian, I think that there are a number of provisions in Secure 2.0 that move us towards um, trying to, as you say, make a meaningful dent in the gap. Um, well, I think there's a lot more that, that can be done. Some of the provisions, not necessarily all provisions that are within the Department of Labor or the Employee Benefit Security Administration's uh, jurisdiction or to-do list, but they may be with some of our sister agencies with Treasury and whatnot. But things like auto-enrollment, the savers match, different tax credits and incentives, both for employers and for employees um, to be offering retirement plans and participating in retirement plans, um, I think that will all be helpful um, along the lines of what we are doing here at the Department of Labor and at the EBSA, um, things such as the creation of the lost and found registry for individuals who may have you know, lost track of retirement savings or plans that they do have or they did have, that you know, contributes to trying to reduce the gap. Um, the auto portability provisions of Secure 2.0, so making it easier for people to be able to uh, transfer balances and uh, from one plan to another. And I think just in a more general way, um, the provisions of Secure 2.0 that relate to um, improving reporting and disclosures. Um, for retirement plans um, will also help uh, address the retirement gap in the sense of um, for people who are, again, fortunate enough to have um, the opportunity to participate in a retirement plan through their employment, if we can improve the, the information that is provided to them so that they can make the most of that opportunity then that is another way to address the gap. I think there's still a lot more that can be done, but Secure 2.0 gives us many opportunities to try to work towards addressing the gap. Right. Okay. In a general sense, I've seen that one of your goals is to increase awareness around EBSA itself and the resources available to retirement plan participants, plan sponsors, and the service provider community. Uh, you touched a little bit on this a bit earlier, but uh, what is the message you would like to get out there? So, you know, this has been something that since I first got here, I have tried to make it a number one priority for me and for the agency and folks have been really receptive and um, we've made a lot of progress just in the past year and we are trying to continue to work in that direction. But the message that 
I'm trying to get out there is that who the Employee Benefit Security Administration, EBSA, is, that we are a part of the Department of Labor. Um, what does the Department of Labor or EBSA have to do with anything? You know, we are a federal agency whose mission it is to protect the hard-earned employment-based benefits of America's workers and their families. And that's what we do on a daily basis, whether it be through uh, regulations and guidance, enforcement where it's needed, um, outreach and education, that we are here to help and that we have benefits advisors across the country who are available just by calling our toll-free number, which is 1-888-444-3272. And it's a free service. And folks, whether they be employees, uh, participants who are looking for information, trying to better understand benefits that may be available to them, um, whether there is something with their retirement or their health plan that they may be having difficulty in um, accessing benefits or understanding their benefits. We are here to help, whether it's an employer that is looking for more information on sponsoring these types of plans, that you know we're here to help. And, and too often, just in the time that I've been here, I have found that no matter who I'm speaking to, whether it's you know a member of Congress or people in other agencies, state and federal, and certainly participants and service providers, um, so many of them are not aware of EBSA at all or of the breadth of what EBSA does and how we can be helpful. So we are trying to really get the word out there that we can help and that we want to uh, assist participants and their families and really collaborate with with other people within the, the retirement plan and the, you know, the benefit plan community um, to do what I think we're all just really interested in doing, which is offering to participants and, you know, workers and their families the best uh, benefits that we can and the best experience in trying to access those benefits. But I think we're making some progress, but we're just going to continue doing that uh, as long as I'm here for sure. Great, great. All right. So we, well, we've covered a lot, but before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to touch on that retirement plan advisors may want to be thinking about as we head in towards the new year? I think that one thing that I would just ask is to join me and join us in um, trying to think about, again, uh, how we can best be serving this community. And if people have ideas on whether it be increasing awareness or um, having the agency issue additional guidance or provide more outreach. Just we're, we're trying to provide a service here and the team that we have here is really amazing and dedicated. And but that being said, I say, you know, always that I don't just want my ideas, you know, I want the best ideas. And I think that there are a lot of very dedicated people um, out there in this community who have good ideas and um, are interested in collaborating. And I'm trying to just make sure that we put that message out that um, we're all, we're looking to all work together to just best serve these participants um, and these workers and their families. And so reach out and, you know, I think we can make a lot of changes together. All right. 
Well, this has been great. Delisa Gomez, Assistant Secretary of Labor, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights on the 401k Specialist Podcast. Thank you so much, Brian.